And welcome to G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gans with Mike Miller. And uh, we are here tonight to talk about uh, resolutions, uh, part two of this. And so uh, really looking forward to getting into that tonight. Um, I was just kind of caught off guard because I was trying to uh, look at the Facebook one and make sure the sound was off. And I couldn't see if it was playing or not. And I couldn't tell because it's a bit of a delay. And so that's why I kind of couldn't jump in. But um. But we are here tonight. Uh, looking forward to the program, uh, Mike. Why don't you go ahead? Because I need to do something real quick um, and give us give us a little uh, recap, so to speak, of of what we've been doing uh, before we jump into uh, the show here tonight. Yeah. So last week we started a hopefully three parts, maybe four part series on Jonathan Edwards resolutions is 70 resolutions and to think about them not to wholeheartedly adopt them but to think what is he thinking what is he trying to um do with this and we started with the preamble and which really states that none of these resolutions are possible apart from god working in his heart and for Christ's sake, if you don't have those kind of there, really the resolutions is an effort, a man-made effort to try to please God. And instead of God working through these resolutions for a, a through these resolutions in a quest for godliness or holiness. And and thinking through these, we are trying to kind of capture the Puritan spirit of Jonathan Edwards. He's an American Puritan in the 1800s. And so there's a lot of good we can gleam. And just principles, as we'll kind of see today, principles that we can think deeply about and see, kind of see how Jonathan Edwards thought about things and then maybe how that, how we can change our own, our own mentality, our own lives and our own growth for holiness. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because <clears throat> when I was at work today, one of my coworkers, um, because they were giving a, a service talk and they were talking about trying to get some leads for this year, you know, more business and whatnot, and trying to make that part of our new year's resolution. And he looked at me and said, yeah, you know, resolutions, they always fall, they always fall apart in the first beginning. And because we just did this show, it was on my mind. And I said, <clears throat> well, I said, I guess it depends on your mindset and how often you're reviewing what you've put forth to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, make changes to or seek to walk in or to, to bring forth throughout that year. And uh, because of what we were talking about last week and how Edwards would read this once, once a week, you know, his resolutions to kind of remind himself, we need to be reminded. So of course, uh, if you make new year's resolutions, <clears throat> they're going to fall. If you're not constantly reminding yourself of what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to, to do, you know what I mean? And this is obviously it's more important than, uh, worldly things. Not that those things can't be beneficial. Like if somebody's trying to change their diet or trying to, yeah. you know, do something to improve their, their home or something and they want to get accomplished. Those are good things. They're not bad things, but we're talking here about how we are 
to carry ourselves and to conduct ourselves before God. Um, and <clears throat> it really is important for us to, to meditate upon those things, to reconsider those things continuously, um, because we mentioned it last week as well. Um, how often is the scriptures, in the scriptures, are they told, remember, to remember what God has done? Yeah. Because how quickly do they forget? And then, yep. you know, it's like in the time of the judges, you know, the, the Lord comes and delivers them and then they're right back in it again and need a judge to come and, and judge, you know? Yeah. I mean, you see this, I mean, think about, um, I think it's first Peter. We'll try to double check here quickly talking about how he, it's good to be reminded mm. and to be, um, to rethink about these things um because we're often we're forgetful people yeah and it's actually second peter um verse 12 so he's talked about god's divine power and all these things between life you get the for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. If four of these qual qualities are yours and are increasing, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so mm -hmm. at the end of all of that, he goes in verse 12, therefore, I attend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up in a way of reminder, since I know that putting off my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. I'll make every effort so that after my departure, you'll be able to, at any time, recall these things. Mm -hmm. So here, Peter, seeing his death, is trying to tell his readers i'm reminding you these things again so you can recall them mm. and again as as foolish as we are we need these reminders i mean just again i think it's right as long as i'm in this body to stir you up as a way of reminder i mean just think about like what good biblical preaching does it stirs us up to remind us mm -hmm. of the truth of the gospel of who we are. Um, and even in these, we'll see here in these resolutions, this kind of being reminded or stirred up or to think about what is going on. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. So let's go ahead and <clears throat> bring this on the screen. Now, we left off at number 15. There are 70 resolutions. We're going to see how far we can get today. Uh, as Mike said, uh, we will have a part three, uh, part four if needed, um, but we will try to do our best um, to uh, to get through some of these. And we're like we've been doing last week, we're just kind of reading these and really kind of trying to think upon it and, and how that can impact us and how we can utilize what he's giving and setting forth. Again, not that we have to take these 70 and make them our own, um, but really reflecting upon what he's saying that he's resolved to do uh, and how that could improve or help us in our walk with the Lord. And so number 16 here says, resolved never to speak evil of anyone so that it shall tend to his dishonor more or less upon no account except for some real good. 
And I think that, I mean, even if we don't want to apply some of these 70s or the 70 to ourselves, this is one we can definitely apply because the scriptures speak much about how we speak and how we treat others by the way that we speak. There's mm-hmm. power in the tongue, right? Uh, not in a not in a charismatic kind of like you could speak things into existence kind of way, but you can do damage. James talks about bridling the tongue, right? And so so you can really do damage to someone. And, and he's saying, I resolve never to speak evil of anyone unless more or less upon no account except for some real good, meaning you're you're trying to correct, maybe rebuke um uh, in in that kind of way, rather than just just always finding something to be negative or speaking evil of other individuals, I think it says a lot about the heart of 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 the individual who does that. Yeah, I think too. Just to quote my favorite catechism, because it's been a while, might as well. Um, you know, immediately kind of thinking about this, I think of um. The ninth commandment, you know, bearing a false witness against a neighbor. And question 82 of the Baptist Catechism talks about how the ninth commandment requires the maintaining and promoting of truth between man and man of our own and our neighbor's good name, especially a witness bearing, kind of thinking through the judicial aspect of that. And then 43, talking about what is forbidden in the ninth commandment, that the ninth commandment forbiddeth whatsoever is prudicious, prudential to truth or interest to one's own or our neighbor's name. And so what this resolution really thinks about is like, how do I honor my neighbor's name? Now, there are times that in being loving to someone, we exposes a sin of someone else. That's that, except for some real good. So knowing that if you go maybe to this car dealership, watch out, they may try to scam you. Mm -hmm. They may sell you a bad car. Now, that's not a good thing. You're speaking evil against this car dealership or maybe this, you know, specific person that one may have to do with, or even maybe a person you knew that was a member of your church and they've shown uh, great hostility to the gospel and has maybe spoken evil of the church. There are times in which the truth has to be told mm-hmm. of that person, but it's for a real good. It's, it's a, it's a, it's for warning. It's for protection. Yeah. Calling out false teachers. Mm-hmm. In, in a sense, you're saying, look, they're heretics. You're, you're calling them out. That's something that needs to be done. But outside of those kind of special cases, the result here is we should speak truth and we should uphold our neighbor's good name mm-hmm. whenever is possible, when it's appropriate. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, how much in like this speaks to our social media where we just kind of like keyboard warriors go mm-hmm. after people. Right. And so I think, yeah. Or just even our general speaks about maybe people we disagree with theologically or politically mm-hmm. that, you know, we tend to slander and less mm-hmm. deal with the issues at hand. 
Yeah. And and that's a key word there. You said slander. And as I was thinking about it, when you were speaking, which as I always appreciate your insight, because as you're speaking, things come to my mind. So you help me think through some of this as well. Um, but this, the end part of this, where uh, unless it's on the account for uh, some real good, you think of those maybe because you mentioned somebody in your church. If, if there's somebody in the church that you know to be a slanderer or a gossip and you tell someone else, hey, be careful what you say around this person because they take it and they like to spread it and, you know, uh, yeah. bear false witness or, or uh, you know, twist the story. Um, and, <clears throat> and they do it in such a way you're not seeking to be the gossip or the slanderer. You're doing it for good um, to help maybe protect mm -hmm. another brother or sister in the church. Um, who maybe wouldn't want something private to be out there uh, and you happen to see them talking yeah. to this person or whatever. So yeah, those are just things to, to really think about and consider because again, you don't want to speak evil of anyone unless there's a really good reason to do so. Um, but uh, it is, especially as you said, you know, in the social media age, it can be very easy to just jump on and say things to people that you wouldn't say face to face to them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> So number 17 here is resolved that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. I think we talked about this a little bit last week as well, but this, you know, with Edwards wanting to live a certain life and not coming to the end of his life and saying, boy, I wish I would have done this. Cause that's usually yeah. what you see. And I think of, I think there even was a movie. I don't recall seeing it, but I think there was something like bucket list. And I've heard this, this phrase given before yeah. uh, where there's, uh, people who um, they, maybe they before they die, they come to a point in their life and like maybe they know they've only got so long to live or they want to get these things in before they die. But he's saying here at a very young age, you know, I resolve to live in such a way that when I get to the end, I don't I don't have to, you know, say I wish I would have done these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the opposite of resolve seven from last week, which says resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life and to think about. So that's the negative. Like, I don't want to do anything that if I'm about to die, that I I'm afraid to do because I'm about to die where this is the flip side thinking about, um, I'm going to do everything that I know I should do wish to do before my last hour come, you know, mm -hmm. again, thinking about our time, what do we do with our times, how we spend our time kind of thinking through what we do, how we do it. And also what's important and to consider then how that works out. So you're not like looking at the uh, top 100 things to do before I die list and was like, Oh man, I need to do this, this, and this, and this and have, and kind of maybe even miss the entire point of what you're supposed to be doing here on yeah. earth. Yeah. I even think of that, that song. And I think we talked about this before, but that, or it's been brought up before, but that cats in the cradle song. Yeah. You think about with your children, you know, you're too busy. Like if you spend so much time watching TV rather than playing a game with your kids or, or spending time with your kids or always doing something. Cause I, I know some people, um, that it's not a bad thing, but they spend a lot of time in their yard. They do a lot of yard work and, and things huh. and very little time to spend with their children or sitting down and just having a conversation. Right. Um, and then you get to the end, your kids grow up or your grandkids grow up and you're like, where's the time? 
you know, they're, they're not there anymore for me to sit down and play a game. It just goes, you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, things like that are practical for me as I think about it, because, you know, with the little ones at home, I know you have little ones at home and, and we want to do our best as parents to speak truths into their life, to spend time into their life, things that they're going to remember and not look back and say, well, you know, they they were always working or they were always too busy or they were watching TV rather than playing a game with me or something like that. Yeah. You know? So, all right. <clears throat> so uh, number 18 here. It says, resolve to live so at all times, as I think is best in my devout, uh, devout frames, and when I have clearest notions of things of the gospel and another world. So again, living at times to think best in my devout frames uh, when I have the clearest notion of things of the gospel. So as you're looking at the scriptures and trying to get a clear picture, I think is what he's saying here, uh, and have the clearest fames, not just for this world, but another world to come. Looking to eternity, keeping our eyes. Yeah. That's a, a heavenly mindedness. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the Puritans are very devoted in that, and we see that played out in the negative, kind of the negative quickle saying about being a, Purit- a Puritan. Um, but yeah, is best in my devout frames that I have a clearest notions, things of the gospel and of their own. So it's seeking. Um, there used to be a podcast and blog seeking the things above that kind of mentality. Are we doing what we can at all times to th- think of and to devote our times to the things above a, a kind of thinking heavenly Yeah. All right. Number 19, it says resolved never to do anything, which I should be afraid to do. If I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear the last Trump. So again, not being afraid to do something, especially even Uh within a time period. Like if I know, if I know I only have an hour left, I'm going to do things that I probably would be afraid of doing before that. So I don't want to live like, Oh, now I know I have an hour. I got to do these things, even though I was afraid to do them before. Right. Yeah. And again, this seems very similar to Resolve 7, which I read earlier. But I think the the big shift here is one is kind of the totality of your life and maybe the – and thinking less of like – of meditating on my entire life when I don't have strength to go. Where here in 19, the frame changes to – when Christ returns, when the last trump is sound. And thinking about, okay, if I knew Christ was coming in an hour, what would I do? What would I, um, to use it, what was I, as you said, what was I be like afraid of to do before I knew Christ was coming in an hour? And those type of mentality. So living again, living for eternity living for with the eternity in view okay the eminence of christ's return you know this is kind of what's building on what he's thinking about if if christ is if i knew christ was coming what would i do like here and now that Mm -hmm. i may have been afraid and to reorient our thoughts to what should i then what should i be doing now right 
um, in order to make known or what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christian, you know, till Christ returns. Yeah. All right. And so number 20 here, it says resolve to maintain the strictest temperance in eating and drinking. And if I'm being honest, I struggle here. My wife tells me often that I should eat better. There's certain things I should give up or, um, mm -hmm. and, and I say, you know, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I probably should give this up, but it's so hard. You know, it's so hard to give up things that I enjoy eating. Right. Um, as far as drinking, I don't drink alcohol or anything like that, but soda, you know, I know is not great for me. Pop as we call it up here in the North. Uh -huh. <laughs> I know it's not good for me. Um, but it's hard. Like even today I haven't had any pop because I told you before the show, I had a, an issue and, and I told my wife, even, even a long time ago when I had another issue, I was like, I think I'm done with pop. Right. But today I was, I have been drinking water all day and then I came home and for dinner, I'm like, Oh, there's some seven up in here. I'm just going to have a glass. My wife's like, you said you weren't going to drink any more pop, you know? But it's hard. It is a hard thing. Yeah. But if you resolve, and again, you're you're putting it forth and saying, "No, I'm not going to do this," right? Um, that's that's what he's he's doing here. He's putting it forth and saying, "I'm not going to uh, I'm going to maintain a strict temperance in eating these things and drinking these things before me." And so it is a good thing to think through. I know it's one of those New Year's resolutions people have often, and that one f falls short or fails. But um, it's for your own benefit. I know it would be beneficial to my health. Yeah, and I think too to think about it, it's not always to to the neglect of kind of what you're saying. Sometimes that's needed, mm -hmm. but just like having one donut at work instead of four, you know, like that type of yeah. like just self control, having yeah. a self control on what you eat, on what you drink, because I mean, you can take pleasure in eating junk food for lack of better term. Mm -hmm. Um, but is that like your standard diet? Is that all what you're consuming? Are you abusing it into kind of that sin of gluttony? I think and that's kind of where this line is, is having the self-control to, you know, eat what you need to be respective of the food and, the occasion, you know, even just like eating out of boredom, which mm -hmm. I tend to do, you know, kind of thinking, just having that self maintaining that self-control over your, your eating. And I mean, even in, in drinking, obviously alcohol is probably the bigger thing, but I mean, people, there's times at where I work because I work for a coffee equipment reseller that we get, drink too much coffee that we get jittery and can't work like mm. a valid thing there, you know, again, self-control in those means. So I think there is that defining for as an individual, where is, where is that self-control at and maintaining that strictest temperance um, in what I do, what I, what I partake in, whether right. food or drink. Yeah. And that is one of those um, <clears throat> sins in the Bible that you don't hear a lot of people mm -mm. preach on. Not that there hasn't been, but when you talk about gluttony, you know, overindulging, because again, it, it may not be for the reasons, like you said, for health reasons or whatnot. You just have food as an idol. You just, you know, you enjoy it so much that you overeat it um, and don't know when to 
cut it off. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <clears throat> I think that's why they get you with some of those commercials with those, uh, what was those chips where you can't only eat one? Can't just eat just yeah. one. Yeah. Yep. All right. So <clears throat> number 21, it says resolved never to do anything, which if I should see in another, I should count a, a just occasion to despise him for, or think any way the more meanly of him. So if you see somebody doing something wrong or, you know, that you would think ill of, I'm resolving, he's saying, not to do those kind of things that I would see in others, you know, doing. Yeah, it's that, you know, thinking about that, the log in your brother's eye and the speck in yours, the log in yours and the speck in your brother's eye, kind of mentality, this judgmental of, this judgmental aspect of it. Um, I think what he is seeing, I think what we can kind of take on the positive as like on the positive side is to, if I see someone doing, which something that I think is sin, I should also not be doing it. I think this kind of reminds me of Romans two, when the Jews say, don't, do these things don't murder and yet they're the ones murdering that type of mentality so don't do that and to i mean i guess use people as like the example of what not to do is maybe how we would kind of think about it today but i do think there is a an aspect of it of recognizing my own judgmental attitude and saying saying like no no grace for you but then reflecting about but if i do it i'm gonna i i should receive grace instead of like oh if you if that's wrong for you to do it's also wrong for me and i should work resolve to not do what is wrong to do what is said and kind of excuse it or even be judgmental when someone else does it. Yeah. All right. So number 22 here, it says resolved to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as I possibly can with all the power, might, vigor, and vehemence, yea, violence I am capable of or can bring myself to exert in any way that I, that can be thought of. So again, looking heavenly, looking eternal, uh-huh. Um, and I, I think here I looked it up because I'm thinking when when the violence here is speaking in an old kind of understanding of as I'm looking it up of with great strength or emo, uh, of emotion, like you're you're putting in an uh-huh. effort. Some of the the synonyms here or similarities are intensity, you know, or force, um, power, uh, ferocity, ferocity, right? So <clears throat> not in like I'm being physically violent to someone. Um, but being used in that that sense there, I think, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Because it wouldn't make sense about beating people up, like how we think of violence. Yeah. But I think it, what we think of violence and what is the emotional aspect of violence is kind of what they're getting at. Kind of this, yeah, intense um, emotion. And you can see it almost as like a, a catch-all for power and might and vigor and kind of this do whatever I can do, whatever I can muster to do to seek as much happiness in the other world here in, in heaven, thinking, 
thinking forward, thinking towards what it would be like. Um, I think, I don't know if this is where he's going, but you kind of get this, the uh, beatific vision aspect of, of what heaven would be like dwelling with God, dwelling without sin and the happiness that can come from it and pursuing that, pursuing that in the gospel and, and what it means to do that way. I think one might say that can bring kind of, and we've talked about this before, this heavenly mindiness, that's no earthly good. I think there's a flow from the heaven mindiness that is earthly good, earthly good in just the happiness of a person, the joyfulness, even in sorrow, even in time, one that can count their blessings, you know, one by one and to, to think about how rich God has blessed them and pursuing kind of that happiness in the otherworldliness, the spiritualness in, in heaven. Yeah. All right. Number 23 here. Uh, resolved frequently to take some deliberate action, which seems most unlikely to be done for the glory of God, and trace it back to the original intention, designs, and end of it. And if I find it not to be for the glory of God, to repute it as a, a breach of the fourth resolution. And the fourth resolution uh, said, uh, resolved never to do any manner of thing, whether in soul or body, less or more, but what tends to the glory of God, nor be, nor suffer it, if I can avoid it. So he's looking at the things he's doing, and he's saying, I'm taking this back to the beginning of my intentions of doing this. If I'm later finding out this really doesn't glorify God, what were my intentions in doing this? And I find it's not to the glory of God, then I don't do it. I'm, 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 I'm uh -huh. putting it aside and setting it aside. Um, <clears throat> and I think that that speaks a lot of us thinking through things that, hey, maybe we have good intentions to do something and we start to do it. And then we later look at it and reevaluate it and say, is this ultimately for the glory of God? Um, do I see it that way the same as I did then? And if not, I put it aside and move on to something else. That would be to the glory of God. Yeah. I think here the, the point is deliberate action. Yeah. You know, that that thinking about con um, meditating on what we do, considering what we do. And, you know, this action is done for the glory of God. And really thinking about is this is this actually something that will bring god glory and does it it seems to me and i don't my wife and i talking about it today kind of questions is this something that is most likely un unlikely to be done for the glory of god or is for the glory of god connected to the action maybe this is just older english and syntaxically it's difficult to but my first initial thought is something that seemingly is done unlikely to be done for the glory of god and tracing that back to see if it actually can be um someone needs to write a commentary on this so we can better answer it yeah but i, I, think, I still think 
the main point is to think about what you're doing and making sure it is done for the glory of God and yeah. not for some other sinful motive. Yeah. Let, let, let me use this as an example and, and let me know if you think this is, this is fitting for this. Um, I think you, I think you'll agree. Um, we start G220 radio and our intentions in the beginning is for, Hey, we want to talk about the things of the Lord. We want to glorify God. We want to get people to hear truth from the word and, and, and maybe some people get saved or some people grow and intentionally it's for the glory of God. But then let's say we get to 600 episodes, which we are here in today, episode number 600. And it became more about, Hey, we're built this platform and we're popularity and, and, you know, we're bigger than we actually think we are, or we're, we think mm -hmm. we're bigger than we actually are. Right. And so yeah. then look back and say, why did I do this? Even with street preaching videos on GG20 Ministries channel, um, there and I've I've had conversations with people, and I say I think it can be helpful to encourage people, but you always got to check your motivations. Am I doing yeah. it just to be seen, or is this a way to try to encourage other people as well? You know, and if the intent may have been initially for the glory of God, but then you find I've kind of veered off of that, you know. Then, then you have a problem. I don't know. That's kind of a, an example that came to my mind. Yeah, I think, I think that's yeah. Getting back to what it is is, um, because it could seem unlikely that we do this for the glory of God. Um, you know, just to boast our own. Look at how smart we are. We have a podcast type of thing. Um, but then, you know, in the end, it's still whatever action we have, tracing it back to its original intent. Was this mm. originally what I wanted to, or was it not? And if it's not, then we need to stop mm. and repudiate it. You know, whatever that may look like um, to do it and to, you know, continue, I guess in that way, acknowledging our sin and, and continue on as we talked about last week. Yeah. All right. So number 24, I think we're on here. So, Resolved, whenever I do any conspicuously evil action to trace it back till I come to the original cause and then both carefully endeavor to do so no more uh, and to fight and pray with all my might against the original of it. And um, it, it, it can be difficult. I think it would be nice if somebody did write a commentary because sometimes of the, the language, um, it just doesn't flow, especially the way I speak, right? But I think here it really touches on this point of, hey, I sinned. Why did I do this sin? And I think of the LGBTQ community. There are, there are many people that are in the LGBT community that are in, indulging in this sinful lifestyle. But there's an original point at when this began. And looking back to what caused me to go this way and do these things. And not just for them. I'm using that as an example, but we can do that even with ourselves of if we we send some evil action. And then why did I do that? What, what's the original cause of what led me to do that? And then dealing with it there, you know, mm -hmm. because I think we see in scripture, sin begets more sin. Yeah. So you're, you're acting out upon more and more sin. Um, but what was that original intent? Yeah, I think that, you know, to think through again, it's, it's a thoughtfulness that he's going at. You've done a clearly visible evil action. You have done some sort of th sin. So then it's to trace back. So let's say, 
in anger, I yelled at my child. What caused me to be angry with my child? Mm -hmm. What went wrong? And then not only what went wrong, what bad choices did I make to, again, kind of beget more sin? And recognize, okay, it was at this point, this is how, this is what caused me to sin. So now I need to move to realize those types of things are going to cause me to sin. Mm -hmm. And to, okay, how do I then avoid putting myself in that position? Because I know when I'm in that position, I'm going to, I'm, it's going to lead to this sin that I don't want. Right. And I think part of it as a terrible analogy, but I think is, is appropriate is when you think about what the Pharisees were trying to, the religious leaders trying to do about building hedges around the law. Now they use it to try to justify themselves, but kind of that thinking, what, what do I need to do in order to fulfill what God has called me to do? And when I don't to think about it and then to pray that, and to fight that um, I can not do that again, that I can see God's way out so I don't have to sin, that I can be to do what God has called me to do. And I think, again, um, we often just kind of go with, what's happening. Oh, I've sinned. And I, and I go to the Lord forgiveness without considering, well, why did I sin? Yeah. You know, outside of like, Oh, I'm just a sinner and I sin mm -hmm. like that may, that may smooth over my conscience, but it doesn't help me to identify my sin and to pray in that end that God can help me in that sin and in that situation. Um, and to be more mindful of my actions. Yeah. I think if we, if we applied this <clears throat> resolution that we would not be as often caught in uh, what's the, the habitual kind of sins mm -hmm. because we're taking it back again to that route. What, what is causing me or what, what led to me going down this path that I'm, I'm going down? And, and I think this is why I love the Puritans, even 25 as we get into is, is just, it, it seems like they really take these things and think about them deeply. And I think today we, we don't, we don't give it that kind of thought mm -hmm. to think through these things deeply as they do. Uh, 25 says resolved to examine carefully and const constantly what that one thing in me is, which causes me in the least to doubt the love of God and to direct all my forces against it. Again, that's why I say I don't think sometimes we think deeply about these things. Um, if something's not going our way, we're like, oh, God must not love me. Um, you know, I even read and uh, I saw something uh, online and somebody had posted that they're going through a tough time and this must be God's uh, rejection of them. And we often think that way. And mm -hmm. where he's saying, oh, I'm resolved to carefully examine what is causing me to doubt this love of God. That doesn't change for me despite my falling into sinful behaviors or or doubting his love for me. It doesn't change. As we talked about the, the impassibility of God, he, he's not moved by his emotions like we are. 
and and respond that way. He doesn't stop loving us because we've done something that he's already, if we belong to him, already paid for on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how often in our, even in our society where depression is rampant as we look externally to what people are doing on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and they're seeing all these cool trips, you know, kind of that information overload and to kind of stop and to think about my own spiritual life. Why, why am I going through this dry season? What is putting, what is putting that barrier between what I know to be true about God's love and kind of that, the feeling, the emotional aspect of God's love. And then this resolution is like to carefully and consistently think about what is, what is causing me to not or to doubt God's love towards me and then go against that. Usually it's probably a sin of some sort or unrepentant sin or some other, you know, just even a bad, maybe a bad mindset, bad theology. Yeah. But to go after that, knowing that God loves his children. And so you, if you're not feeling God's love, there is a, a broken relationship that needs to be contained. And maybe that's just, you know, feeling the sinfulness of sin, mm -hmm. you know, that, and just, you know, there's a lot of different ways that can bring about, but the one thing is again, that constant and careful examining to see what is the, is the thing right here that is permitting me to, enjoy and to know god's love yeah well said brother all right so uh and and 26 is closely related dealing with oh, assurance go ahead. go ahead you can read it yeah resolved to cast away such things as, as i do as i find do abate my assurance so again thinking about why do not why do i feel like i'm not a child of god what is going there and then casting it away knowing that again you have to have a, a strong view of um god's unfailing love that he will not cast away those who come to him and the assurance of salvation that nothing can separate us from the love of god and with that understanding figuring out what why you feel that break and casting it away so you can hear the testimony of the spirit to your spirit, calling you a child of God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the things I think that I've, I've encountered with some Christians is this uh, lack of assurance. Uh, and it always falls back on the individual. Um, maybe as you said, maybe for sin or the doubts, you know, that they have because they're not, uh, well, mainly because of sin. Um, <clears throat> but then they they doubt their assurance. They lessen it. That's what this abate means. They lessen it or they remove it, right? Uh -huh. uh, it's removed. And our assurance is secure in Christ. Yeah. And I think 
we see it a lot today. I think you see it a lot in the seeker sensitive. You remember your baptism. Now I think yeah. there's, there's a validness mm -hmm. to that or I guess more of it in the seeker sensitive movement is when you walk down the aisle, um, Calvin would say, remember your baptism, even the old church. Cause then you remember the vow that you've took the, the oaths that you proclaimed publicly that you, um, believe in the triune God, that he saved you from your sins, that the gospel message that is, comes with baptism, um, th there is there a means of grace to rejuvenate and to reclaim, in one sense, the promises of God, that God doesn't forsake him, who forsake those whom he calls. He does not cast them away. No one can take them away. No one can separate the love of God from the people of God. Mm -hmm. And to remember those promises that are found in the gospel message, especially in our own public profession of faith in baptism. I think sometimes we tend to like, am I reading my Bible daily? Am I, am I fasting regularly? Am I praying regularly? Those types of external measures instead of kind of the important is, do I trust and the God, do I trust in God and the gospel message that he proclaims? Because those things are good and important. And we'll, we may get to them today, even kind of what he thinks about them. But in the end, it's do I trust in the promises? That's what the Old Testament saints were saved by. That's what we're saved by. All these other things show and reflect what God has done to us. Yeah. Amen. Hey, brother, I'm going to let you continue. I got to go take care of something real quick. Um, but if you can go ahead, 27, 28. And uh, if you get further, I'll just pull up that slide when I get when I get back real quick. Yeah. So resolution 27 goes resolved. Never willfully to omit anything except the emotion, except the omission be for the glory of God and frequently to examine my omissions. So we can think about kind of the idea of omission as, or to uh, omit anything is to not, I guess in context would be like when we think about lying, maybe like a white lie. So to consider it is when we're talking about something, we want to omit something that we don't willfully omit important ideas, important things that we're telling someone, unless it's for the glory of God, and then to frequently examine why I've omitted things. I think this covers a little bit earlier to talking about not speaking evil against anyone and what that means and that we should be truthful to when we speak kind of don't have your big fish story where the fish is always getting bigger or that you, you 
I guess that's not a great example, but you that you you hide facts, you don't reveal facts to make it the story affect what you want the story to say, what you want someone to know, either about you or maybe about someone else. And then to to again frequently examine when I made that omission, was it for the glory of God? Maybe it was gossip towards someone and you chose to not say it, which would be the positive aspect of this resolution. So in that way, your omission glorifies God because you're not spreading slander. You're not spreading gossip. You're not being a gossiper yourself. Where this would be kind of the opposite would be that you would say, oh, this person did this and omit that, that they've sought reconciliation, that they've tried to clean up the relationship that they have. And then realizing like, well, you're not telling the whole truth. You're not, you're in this case, damaging the name of someone else. And that is not for the glory of God. You're, you're tearing them down. You're not upholding their good name. So resolution 27 is really talking about when we tell stories, when we talk about others, are we omitting things because that would cause would be sin and would diminish God's glory because we would be doing a sinful action or are we examining are are we doing these things in order that um to stop sinning and to glorify God so I just got down with 27. You have anything else to say about it? No, we'll, we'll, we'll keep moving. All right. So number 28 is a <clears throat> resolve to study the scripture so steadily, constantly, and frequently as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. Uh, this is just, mm -hmm. this is vitally important in the life of a believer um, to be in the word of God, to read the word of God, but not just read the word of God, to study the word of God. Spend time in it to meditate upon it to think about the things that are are are, are you are reading, um, <clears throat> and to be sitting under the word of God as well as it's being preached to you. Uh, it's so vitally important in the life of a believer. What's that? Uh, <clears throat> well, the Scripture says that I hide the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against Him. Uh -huh. So the, the more we're in the word of God, um, the the less likely we are willing to give in to those temptations. Not that we don't. But we are less likely to because, again, the word then, God brings it to our forefront of our mind to speak against those things to help us because he always provides a way out Yeah, of temptations. Yeah. You can think of Psalm 1 that the, mm. the blessed man right. meditates on God's law both day and night and that the, the blessed man who meditates – well, the blessed man meditates and then he is prosperous in all that he does, that he grows here kind of in this side, he um, grows in this holiness. And I think too, 
you've mentioned, we kind of mentioned it. And especially, I guess, at the beginning of a year to, to really think about is sometimes Bible reading is not about quantity, but quality. Right. And you can read a chapter. Like we always have this thing is like, read the Bible in a year. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing. I'm not, not saying it's a, we shouldn't, but in our reading, are we meditating on it? Are we thinking about it? Are we applying what we're reading to our lives? Either in that we learn something about God that we need to now consider in our own lives and, and how that may change how we live or just reading commands from Paul and saying, yeah, I should be doing that. And I'm not, you right. know, there's a change of, a, a change of mind, a change of knowledge and a change yeah. of will or even emotion, like how I should think about something um, or act in some way um, or have a, I guess feeling is, is emotion. And I think here we see this, a, a careful, sorry, a steady, constant and frequent study of scripture and to to document it so that you can clearly see your growth as a Christian, mm. that you can look back and say, I have grown in maybe this area of sin that God has revealed or in the knowledge of God or even the knowledge of scripture and to, to see visible. I mean, how many Christians or people who call themselves, they've been Christians for so long, but there's seemingly maybe no change in them now this might be a little bit judgmental um we need to be you know resolve not to be um speak evil. to speak evil against them but you can kind of maybe see some of that where someone's read their bible a lot right but there is no perceived change in godliness mm-hmm. i think and this is where the resolve is not only to study but to perceive how god has changed changed me in my study um doing it and then obviously you have that idea of um constantly and frequently constantly going back you know in our day of age there's no reason why we can't daily read the word and think about it yeah and going back to what you said about the uh um, bible reading plans again they can be very very beneficial to you um my pastor has been speaking uh, about reading the Bible to people and said, look, if you read four chapters a day, you can do it in a year, you know, just reading four chapters a day. Um, So you can do those things. But as you said, I think what becomes discouraging to some people is like, I'm going to get through the Bible this year. And then they miss a couple of days and it's so like packed in of what they've got to read and they Uh become discouraged and then they just give up and maybe read a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, but if you, if you do like what you said there is you just read it and, and seek to understand what you're reading, even if it was one chapter, um, it's going to benefit you, Uh you know, like we've been going through Proverbs series and, and they say, you know, read a proverb a day, read a chapter a day. You know, there, there's so much in there that you can glean from, from God's word of practical wisdom. Um, but yeah, it, it is important to be in God's word as Christians. Uh, if we've been a Christian for, for 10 years, then at 20 years, we should be able to look back and say, I've learned so much more from my time in the word over this last 10 years than 10, than 10 years ago. Previously, we mm-hmm. should be growing. 
uh, as Christians, and we only are going to grow by the word of God. Uh, and so it's very important. Very important. Yeah. And for those, whenever you read this and you're already behind, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there, when we put that pressure on us to like, I have to get it done, it becomes legalism. Right. You know, you're trying to, at that point, trying to earn your favor towards God. So while, I mean, it's consistently and frequently, that's the goal. That's what we should shoot for. But if you just happened, like you get sick and you just can't be able to do it. Like you just don't have the mental capacity to do it. Well, it's fine. Mm-hmm. There's grace there. Just right. you get a day behind. Maybe you can catch it up sometime, but don't, don't stress over. I have to do this because what's important is the, the growing and the knowledge, not necessarily the reading and the checking off the box. Right. Right. And as you, you mentioned, just not to keep, you know, on this, but as you mentioned, sometimes when you're doing that and you're just reading to get through the amount that you need to read and check off that box, you're not really retaining anything because you're not really thinking about what it is you're reading. And, you know, and so, <clears throat> yeah, it's just important to to consider those things and, and don't be discouraged by it. Just do what you can and be in the word. Right. All right. So number 29, it says resolved never to count that a prayer nor to let that pass as a prayer, nor that as a petition of a prayer, which is so made that I cannot hope that God will answer it, nor that as a confession, which I cannot hope that God will accept. So considering our prayers and, and, and again, Puritans Mm -hmm. can be so helpful because they think so deeply on these things. You think of, uh, uh, the Puritan prayer book, Valley of the vision, and you read some of those prayers. And and I look at it and say, man, my prayers are not to this depth of Mm -hmm. thinking about the inner man as they are. And here saying, you know, when it comes to God's prayers or, or asking God's prayers, bringing petitions before God, not to think God's not going to answer our prayer. Right. Or if we're confessing sins, that he's not going to accept that confession of sin. Now, I think because of the abuses that we see in kind of like the health, wealth, prosperity type idea, yeah. you ask God and he's going to give it to you as long as you have the faith. And then when you don't get what you are seeking, which is usually not something in accordance with the will of God, it's usually something uh, maternally or not maternally, uh, materialistically. Right. Um, then we see those abuses. So we kind of shy from those things. But no, mm-hmm. if you are praying in accordance to God's will, you should not feel like your petitions are going to go unheard or not be answered. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of James, James chapter five and following. Mm-hmm. James chapter one, verses five and following. If you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives graciously to all without reproach and it will be given him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting Mm. for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Mm -hmm. So we see here, this is, James helping us in praying for wisdom, but this should be how we pray. When we pray for God to take a sin away or to heal someone, we need to believe 
we need to have faith that God will do what he what we have asked according to his will that mm-hmm. he is able to do it because if not we're just as he says a double-minded man we're unstable we'll pray for things and was like well it's probably not going to happen right and that there's a distrust in God's goodness and that God that God does give graciously like here again the immediate contact is context is wisdom but that can be applied to any of the blessings that we receive from God and again showing kind of the aspect of the importance of faith even when we come to pray to God that when we come that we think God will answer our prayers or will receive mm-hmm. our will receive our confession of sin and accept it through the blood of Christ who has who has taken the penalty of our sins we need to trust those promises we need to have faith that God will do what he says he is will do because he has done what he says he will do yeah yeah absolutely all right so number 30 here says resolved to strive to my utmost every week to be brought higher in religion and to a higher exercise of grace than i was the week before now that word religion today is like a bad word to say you know because it's not a religion religion. relationship right But it wasn't a bad word then, and it's not a bad word now. It, it's it's a practice of set of beliefs in which you are practicing, in which you adhere to. And so he's saying, look, I strive every week, not just like I made that example 10 years ago, and then 10 years later, I should be different. He's saying every week, every week, I should be uh, striving to my utmost to to be brought higher in this religion that I, I, the only one true and living religion only is uh, through what we find in the Bible through Christianity. Um, And then he says, and to a higher exercise of grace. I mean, think of that. Like, am I more gracious with people this week than I was last week? I mean, that's really something that, again, I think they think the Puritans definitely think deep upon these things. I know I've said that a couple of times, but like, is this something that goes through our minds as Christian? Like, am I more gracious this week than I was last week to people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is... The Christian life is a life of... Compliment... Obviously, I'm going to say... Um, about thinking about who we are, where we are, thinking about God who God is, what God is, and the striving to be holy as God is holy. And there's a lot of things that go in there. And so the resolve here is to how can I, and maybe in the language, again, of James, chapter, um, I just found it. Uh Chapter one, the end of chapter one. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this visit the orphans and the widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
and to think about, okay, am I more holy than I was last week? Am I growing in holiness? And as Paul Washer said, kind of sanctification, this becoming more holy seems to be a two steps forward, one step back type of affair, but it's progressive and it's growing. And again, thinking about how do I continue progressing in my holiness, knowing that is it is God by the, the Father, by the Spirit, helping me to become more like his son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we got uh, 31 here. Let's see. Uh, and then this slide has um, uh, three on it. Do you want to do, you want to go to 34 or do you want to just do 31 and, and call it a night? doesn't matter to me. All right. Let's try to get to 34. That'll give us a little bit towards working on part three. All right, so uh, number 31 here, resolved never to say anything at all against anybody, but when it is perfectly agreeable to the highest degree of Christian honor and of love to mankind, <clears throat> agreeable to the lowest humility and a sense of my own faults and failings and agreeable to the golden rule. Often, when I have said anything against anyone to bring it to and try it strictly by the test of this resolution. So I think it goes back to, again, what we're singing about speaking evil of, of individuals, but he's looking to um, <clears throat> display that grace that he just talked about in the last resol- resolution uh, and, and not seeking to find fault in people, but looking at first himself, making sure he's taking that speck out of his eye or that log out of his eye before he's going to try to remove a speck in a brother. Um, and then anything that he does say, he's going to take it back and test it to this resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's kind of restating a lot mm-hmm. here. He brings in, you mentioned humility, but even the golden rule yeah. to do to others, what you want them to do to you. So thinking through what does that mean? Um, we've talked about the love of mankind and resolution one and how that relates within the glory of God and the prosperity being prosper prosperous as a person and you know loving your neighbor as yourself so really kind of bring it all together and thinking about do my words against anyone breaks these rules and if they do again i shouldn't say it shouldn't be part of it and that again if if i do it my word should be tested against this what i found to be in this resolution and then he has the other one about quickly going and um confessing the sin to the lord yeah all right so 32 it says <clears throat> resolved to be strictly and firmly faithful to my trust that that in proverbs 26 uh, a faithful man who can find may not be partially fulfilled in me so again, he's looking back to the, like, I want to be faithful and I want to trust mm-hmm. in what God has said. Um, I want to trust and be faithful to the Lord and be as Proverbs 26 says, a faithful man who can find, I don't want to just be partially this way. I want it to be fulfilled in me. Yeah. I think to, to think about it too, is that I'm putting faith in my own 
trustworthiness. So the Proverbs 26, a faithful man who can find has this negative connotation. Like, no, you can't find anyone trustworthy. Can't find anyone mm-hmm. uh, faithful. And so the resolution is to be that one person that one can find faithful in his word and to then be faithful to that, that essentially will this action that I have, will it erode trust that people can have in me or will it not? And then to do that action so that my, so I can be trustworthy and be trusted kind of in one way to say is let your yes be yes. And your no, me no. Yeah. Uh, and be one that is willing to do what they need to do to maintain the trustworthiness of them. Yeah. All right. So number 33 says resolved always to do what I can towards making, maintaining, establishing and preserving peace uh, when it can be without overbalancing detriment in other respects. And this is, he wrote this uh, accordingly or, uh, uh, apparently on December 26th of 1722. If you remember Mike, when you was given the uh, introduction to this, you said it took him a year for those who's, who's listening. So it took him a year to write out these, uh, these 70 resolutions. Um, but here it just, it takes me to Romans 12, 18, whereas as far as it's possible to you live at peace with everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is what he's resolving to do to, to live at peace. And I think, the more I've I've grown as a Christian, I consider this more so. Like, um, I, I I do believe theology is important. I do love debating with other brothers and sisters on theological points, not in a, a negative way, but just debating in a good iron sharpens iron. Hey, let's look at the scriptures. Let's talk about it. Um, but I think over time, uh, with growth, I've become less to where I want to, you know, like be so adamant where I'm going at it with someone and just be peaceful and say, this is a brother. We may disagree in these, these areas, but we don't have to be at each other over a disagreement. And, and I think, um, I've seen that growth being around some people who have been in my life that have, have displayed humility and humbleness. And I was able to, 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 to see that, uh, and to, in that, for that to grow within me as well. Um, pastors and, and friends who who display those types of characteristics, and um, but that's what I, I I think of here is is that you know live at peace as far as it is it is up to you. It's not always going to happen, but you're doing what you can to be at peace with with people, with family members, with friends, unbelievers, even your neighbors that are unbelievers. I'm not trying to have issues with my my neighbors. Like we talked about this in our proverbs last proverbs show, you know, like. How do we treat our neighbor? You know? Yeah. Um, thinking through this, um, a quote from Luther, you know, not as valid as Romans 12, but talks about how peace, if possible, truth at all costs. Mm-hmm. And to think about how do we promote peace? I mean, this is, we're to pray to God that God blesses our leaders and that they punish the evildoer and the honor good, that we may live at peace. We worship a God of peace who brought peace between 
a sinful humanity and himself who went out of his way to create peace in that way. And so it's doing this is reflecting what God, what God himself does in the gospel when he brings, I mean, it's the gospel of peace when men find reconciliation with God. All right. And number 34 here to close out uh, for tonight is resolved in their narrations, never to speak anything, but the pure and simple verity. And this verity here is to speak truth, to be real. Okay. And so again, it's this, this, I think being at peace, I think we kind of like a little theme here, uh, being uh -huh. at peace with others, not to speak evil of others. Um, so whenever I speak, I want to speak things that are pure, that are true, that are real in my conversations with, with, with others uh, around me, my neighbors and whatnot. Yeah. I mentioned fish, a fish story earlier. Cause you know, I was like people, they go fishing. Like they first buy fish this big. Yeah. The next time the story, it's a little bit bigger and it's a little bit bigger and bigger. That's, you know, you, you think about, or even people ex exact exaggerate what is happening and and with it where this resolved is to speak clearly be pure and not to try to hide or to over exaggerate or to change the story kind of similar to 27 but just in in a way in how we speak cuz i think we we see this like in lawyer like with lawyers in courtrooms or like verbraging contracts where like, or even people who are trying to hide what they really believe is they write very complicated. And it's very like, it's hard to understand. Now this is different than Jonathan Edwards resolution. We're talking about 200 years of differences in English language and syntax and stuff like that. But right. You know, talking about if you're reading someone today and they just kind of, we would say beat around the bush. They never really yeah. say what they're trying to say. And yeah. they're, they're very, it's very complex. It's very hard. This is saying here that when we speak, it should be pure and simple. People should know what we're saying and what we believe. Mm -hmm. And they get the point. You're not trying to, you know, beat around the bush. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's been uh, the program tonight. I think it's been uh, enlightening. Uh, it's definitely been one that makes you think about these things as you're working through or reading through these resolutions to consider these things. Because again, as we've mentioned, uh, it's important to walk in a way that is bringing glory to God. Everything we do, we do to the glory of God, or we should be doing to the glory of God as Christians. And so when we're we're walking out this Christian life, when we put things down before us, disciplines that can help us and aid us. We even did a show on spiritual disciplines uh, maybe a year ago, um, last year, I think maybe. Um, but to help us in our walk. And the more you meditate on these things or think about these things or practice these things, I think the more you grow. 
And so it is good to reflect on those uh, those things. Next week, we'll be back with uh, part three. We probably will have to do a part four, I'm thinking. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. And, and if we had to go part five, we'll do a part five. But uh, definitely probably we'll have to do a part four. But Mike, why don't you go ahead and close us out? Any final thoughts, anything you'd want to add uh, to what we've been uh, looking at here uh, tonight? Yeah, I think what we saw a lot today is not just kind of going through the emo- the emotions of the Christian life, but to really be intentional mm. and thinking through every aspect of our lives. And in one sense, that's what the Old Testament law points us to to think about actions, to think about our clothes, to be very intentional in what we do. And in doing so, a lot of the bigger ideas of doing things now, if I knew Christ was coming or things, not doing things I would be afraid to do if I knew Christ was coming in an hour reflects this idea of being intentional with my time now, but also not just the here and now, but realizing God, God has called us to be holy as he is holy. And as sinful creatures, we need to recognize that gap and that God has provided a way through the gospel and in the power of the spirit that we can become more like what he designed us to be. But that just doesn't happen. It's intentional. Mm. It is thinking about where I have sinned, why I have sinned, thinking about what I've done last week and how do I change what I did last week so that this week I am more holy than I was last week. It's not going to probably be a big change, but then the constant thinking reminder, the constant scripture intake and prayers, faithful prayers allows us to look back and say what these small changes have led to who I am today. I mentioned this last week, quoting from Stephen Nichols, the, the Jonathan Edwards that we all love, the faithful American Puritan preacher who preached you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God who exposed to us what true revival is, is only possible because of these seven resolutions he does in a span of a year or two. And seeing what, how he does that works out to what he becomes. This isn't to say that if you were to do these things, this is what it would, you would become and be called the greatest mind America ever produced, but that that's what faithfulness looks like. He's God has given us an example in this sinful human being called Jonathan Edwards to give us an example of what faithfulness looks like and to then consider what am I doing today in order that I can be not only faithful to God today, but faithful to him until he calls me either home through death 
or when he comes again at the final Trump. Amen. Amen. And we will see you next week here on G220 Radio. God bless.